0: Welcome to another episode of Tuesday Morning Left Guard. Matthew Collard here, as always, along with former Minnesota Viking Jeremiah Searles, who now has upgraded his microphone game. What is up, Jeremiah?
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm just uh, I got done. Got to go hunt a little bit this morning. The trash weather outside made for good hunts this morning. So knocked down some ducks and then got rained every and everything I own soaking wet. So <laughs> solid morning. Including your soda stick hat, by the way. Including the soda stick hat, man. The soda stick hat did well. It kept the rain out of my face as much as it could for a for a main downpour, but it did the job.
0: There you go. Well, um, we were both going through the tape just before this, and uh, I just want you to confirm, and then we'll talk all Vikings, okay? I promise. I just want you to confirm that my over-the-top rant after the <laughs> game about how poorly the Lions coach uh, uh, are coached as a team, that I was not being overly hyperbolic or a crazy person when going off about my amazement at the Lions poor coaching.
1: No, you're spot on. And I think I think they're in a race for who can be the worst coach between the Lions and the New York Jets, (laughs) because (laughs) it's going to be a photo finish come week 17. But it's going to be one of them. It's going to be one of them right now. And it's definitely a toss up between which two are.
0: So we should just talk a little bit about, because there's lots to get to here and improvements and whether they can actually get back in the race. Now, last Mm -hmm. week we were both on sort of the, I don't think it's going to happen, but now it feels a little different in the light of day after they've actually gotten the win. But the drive that uh, stood out to me so much when it came to the Lions coaching, but also some of the things that the Vikings are doing well, was the final drive before the half. And they run it first, which was a little puzzling. But I think that they wanted to figure out, okay, if we get eight or 10 yards on a run, then we're going to go for it. If we get stuffed in the backfield, then we're not going to really be aggressive. But just a tremendous job of the Vikings getting Delvin Cook in space, lined up against Lions linebackers, where there was no shot whatsoever. And they were able to create big plays. And then um, on the touchdown to Amir Abdullah, Clearing out a, a lot of space. Um, yeah, and good for Amir Abdullah, right? A, a Nebraska Husker, My But boy. also but also, you got to have respect for any guy who finds his way as a running back to stay around in the league and, and have a job like he has. So good for him to get a touchdown. But just well-designed plays by Gary Kubiak, great execution by the Vikings, and very poor coaching by the Lions. And I think it tells you that when you talk about, hey, fire this coach, fire that coach, this coach doesn't know what he's doing. Look over there. (laughs) Look over at the Mm -hmm. Lions. Like, hey, it could be a lot worse. So tell me what you saw on that drive.
1: The big thing I saw on that drive is they – so first of all, they put Everson Griffin over Dakota Dozier, and I'm sure we'll get into more Everson talk, Mr. Great, good, whatever. I love Everson. Great guy. One of a great teammate. but that was a tad ridiculous last week. But anyway, so they put him over Dakota Dozier, which you pretty much expected, right? Like he did make a name for himself when – Jared Allen was here, and when Brian Robinson were the DNs and he would come in and rush a three technique, and he did some some really good things, that's kind of how he got his career jump started. Dakota Dozier handled Everson Griffin in that two-minute drive, first of all. I mean, punched him in the face. They tried to go. And then the other thing I saw is you saw as they were passing it that they were lining up in the double three techniques and they were running stunts in games. And so after, I think, one of the long runs by Dalvin or a long pass and he gets out of bounds – they went to the sideline, and I think they said, hey, they're running these stunts, and they're going ETs, which means that N comes first and the tackle loops around. Let's run an outside zone and catch the edge, and that's exactly what happened. You see the defensive end go to run inside, and Riley just scoops him up, doesn't move him at all, just literally scoops him up and walls him, and Dalvin gets the edge. So that was some really good coaching there by Kubiak. I think that was some really good probably from upstairs whoever has the microphone upstairs and like hey this is what they're doing like make sure we attack that but overall just good execution you didn't see them shoot themselves in the foot which is i mean two minutes really like okay when's the hold or the sack coming (laughs) it's really what you're usually waiting for like when's the hold when's the sack or and they didn't shoot themselves that was the best two minute drive i've seen by the vikings probably in two years
0: there have been many times and we've sort of debated like who is this on? Is it on the quarterback? Is it on the play caller? Is it on the design where you are left vastly disappointed after a two minute drive? And you're right about this one being extremely well executed. But also if you're the Lions and you're going to play man coverage a lot, um, in that situation I don't really quite understand having man coverage between a linebacker and Delvin Cook. I don't really understand down near the goal line um having man coverage on Justin Jefferson Jefferson and just clearing out an entire side of the field if he runs a crosser, which by the way, the Vikings run endless crossers all game long. And you saw this too. There were so many times where it was just like almost too easy. Oh, they're going to be running man coverage. So let's just run these crossers over the middle. They'll kind of do the pick thing. Somebody will be wide open. Here's 30 yards for Kirk Cousins. So I thought that throughout the entire first half, the play actions were really well designed. Receivers were running wide open and it was sort of a product of hey lions did you game plan against the vikings cuz they do this nonstop and what you're seeing i think is the gap between teams that are coached really well and coached really poorly is pretty significant because they did the same thing to houston with the with the deep crossers and they would send two guys out and have max protect and someone ends up wide open it's like All you guys who came from Belichick trying to play the man coverage all the time because you think you're Belichick, uh, it just doesn't work anymore. And the Vikings are the beneficiaries, and you have to give them credit for taking advantage of it.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's also the Dalvin Cook factor, right? I mean, you've got a guy who's almost leading the league, if not leading the league in rushing, he's missed two games. I I mean, one thing that I saw that, again, I haven't studied a ton of Detroit Lions tape this year, but one thing that they did is they played five down against us a lot. And I think that was a try and just say, you know what, we're going to line up one-on-one versus your offensive lineman and bet that one of us is going to win. Because if you've looked at the past games, that's happened, right? You've had a guy that's had a chink in the armor in that front five the Mm -hmm. whole year. But everyone stepped up to the plate. I mean, yeah, there was a guy that got beat here or there, but Dalvin Cook is good enough to make one guy miss in the hole. And then when you're playing that single high, like you said, if you sell out to stop the run by adding another defensive lineman or putting your two outside linebackers on the line of scrimmage, You're trying to say we're getting negative plays because when he does break through, it's it's there's no one left. And we talked about this, what they used to do with Adrian Peterson back in the day, too, where it's like everyone in the box. And then it's like, well, he's one cut away from going 60 or if you have 10 guys. But I think the big thing, too, (laughs) is the fact that they tried to sell out and mean Bradbury whipped that nose up and down the field in the run game. And if you can control the nose in a big front like that where you've got a zero nose and you can reach him and you can get him running, that's really big. And then the other thing, I saw more counters and more pulls by this offense than I've seen all year. And that's another way to cut the defense in half. When you have all the guys in the box like that, you're trying to just cut guys, right, get one guy out of his gap. And I saw a lot of pulls and guys getting on the edge that I thought was really beneficial. And another nice wrinkle to the zone and the outside zone that Kubiak's ran since the dark ages Like those pin pulls are super, super helpful.
0: So Rick Dennison is their run game coordinator, and he's also the offensive line coach. And I, I just think he's had a really big impact on them over the last couple of years. 2018, they had a very simplistic run game. It looked actually just like Chicago's, how they hand off out of the shotgun and then the running back just gets tackled. <laughs> and if he doesn't break three tackles, then you're not getting anything. Um, I don't know. Actually, John Filippo is there in Chicago still, but they clearly hmm. don't know what they're doing with run game. But I noticed the same thing, that um, this has become a very diverse run game, and it is not just the wide zone over and over and over again. And with Delvin Cook, I just feel like not only ability-wise, but also knowledge-wise, he seems to really understand what where he's supposed to go, what he's supposed to be doing, how all of these things work in comparison to what the defense is doing. So it's beyond just, hey, he runs really fast and just gets out and escapes, like on Madden when I hold the X button down. <laughs> um, but I, I think being able to be this diverse in the run game has played a huge role in him taking his game from very, very good to unbelievably good.
1: I think another piece we need to talk about is the CJ Ham. I mean he is he I think Dalvin Cook really enjoys running behind him. And another thing it does is it makes the defense match our personnel. So many times defenses want to play in sub packages to get their faster linebackers on the field or to get only two linebackers instead of three. But when you put C.J. Ham in the game, if you're going to keep a nickel corner or a nickel safety in there, like C.J. Ham's going to attack him. They're going to see that and they're going to send him right at that guy. I mean, and C.J. is a bulldozer. I mean, and so I think Dalvin's really learning to trust him and to trust his blocks like I think sometimes earlier in the year Dalvin was getting a little bit more out in front of his blocks not letting him set up as much but you're seeing the patience and another piece of the instead of going wide zone if you just send him straight downhill he's at full speed in two steps versus if you're trying to send him on a wide zone and kind of get him on a path outside it takes him two three five steps really to kind of get going to see the reads but Dalvin's at his best at full speed because of his ability to make those jump cuts I mean, he can make it going 100 miles an hour. So I think that's another piece of the diverse, like you said, making sure you're getting him downhill quicker so that he can get past the line of scrimmage before he has to make his first cut.
0: Yeah, C.J. Ham deserves a neck roll for the last couple of oh, uh, yes. games. He has done a tremendous job. I once tried to convince C.J. to wear a neck roll, and uh, he declined. He, he didn't. Have he's no a
1: running change. back at heart. He he, I, he I he's a running back at heart. If he was if he was a true fullback, he'd put a neck roll and no uh no wrist ta- <laughs> no wrist tape no gloves.
0: One of those uh, backboard things, the uh, neck boards that comes up. Yeah, you need one of those. Um, he's playing like it recently. So now here's the big question that comes from all of this. Because if you look at the last two games, um, Delvin Cook is on a pace over the last two games for 3,000 yards in a season. Which, yeah. hey, again on Madden, I could definitely accomplish, but on I don't rookie think, mode maybe. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. If you turn up the difficulty, that would be even tough uh, on Madden. But I'm also good at it. So anyway. Um, They can't rely on that. They can't rely on getting 180 yards a game and five touchdowns or six touchdowns in a couple of weeks. So how much of this is sustainable to be able to have Cook dominate and have people running wide open on these play actions? Like This is their philosophy, but we've also seen if Cook gets slowed down, especially against Chicago— it's problematic. So what comes after this when you've had great games and, you know, inside the room you're looking at what everybody did well and you're patting each other on the back, but how do you say, all right, we realize we're not going to be able to do this week after week where he just runs for 70-yard touchdowns?
1: It, that's going to be tough because you're going to go to the well till it's dry, right? I mean, you're, you're going to, and then you're going to have to try and fix it, and it's going to take a team like Chicago's defense to say, okay, no more. Right, No, 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 no more. We're not letting you do this to us. And then it's going to say, okay, I think Kirk's only thrown the ball, what, 40 times in the last two games? I mean, that's a winning recipe. You're not, excuse me, Cousins. I mean, that's a winning recipe if you have Cousins throwing the ball less. I think that if you want to continue to open it up, you're going to have to get the short passing game going. Slants, hooks, I mean, little things that are three-step, from underneath center and I know everyone's like <laughs> because Bradbury gets pushed back and the guards right. are struggling but with the emergence of Ezra Cleveland playing much better I think you have a stout enough front that you can do three-step drops now out of the, again those packages with CJ Ham, what makes him so special he can be a fullback in the flat because he does have the running backs to it right and you're seeing what Dalvin can do against linebackers so if you want to play man coverage against our base personnel offense then you're going to have the short passing game because Jefferson and Thielen, and I'll tell you this, Irv Smith, man, that guy is growing on me. He is growing on me a lot, and not just because of his pass-catching ability. Him in the run game is something that is becoming fun to watch. He had some unbelievable blocks that helped spring Dalvin. He had some really good cutoff blocks, some really good double-team blocks. He is an emerging star at tight end in this league, and he's a huge reason why they're having this success too. So keeping him involved in that intermediate passing game I think is something that you continue to grow that if they take away the run game, go to that intermediate passing game and get that going and then go back to the run game. I think the big things don't abandon the run game. If it's not going like 500 yards a game, right? hundred yards a game is still good. 120 yards a game is still okay. Like that's, that's okay. I think sometimes everyone's like, okay, this is the standard now. Like the standards, we got to get 250 to 400 yards rushing every single game. Like, okay, let's, (laughs) <laughs> no. So I think the big thing is like, just stay with it. Understand that there's going to be bumps and bruises, but the intermediate passing game, cause I'm not sold on our deep drop seven step throw it all over the field. I don't think that's what we need to do to win, but the intermediate game can definitely be something that helps us out.
0: Well, and cousins talked about a few weeks ago, getting more singles and not always going for home runs. It was just that the lion said, are you sure? Here's a pitch right down the middle. If you would like a home run, you can hit it. And, uh, Kirk said, okay, that's fine, but I don't think that the Chicago Bears are going to do the same thing. I, I When it comes to their running game and where it plays a big role in my mind is, uh, A, if the opponent sees that you only pass 46% of the time on first down, they really have to respect it when you go back and stick your arm out with the football like you're going to hand it off to run those play actions. The other part is, Kirk Cousins is just a guy that has to play ahead of the sticks. Mm -hmm. I mean, he has to be on first and ten. He has to be on second and short. And it's really a consistency that you're looking for with a running game. As great as the 70-yard runs are, those are what vary from year to year, from week to week. And I was looking at Delvin Cook's distribution of games, and it's every bit as likely that he'll average seven yards per carry in a game than he will three. Um, So, you know, you have to find, if you're not hitting on those big home runs, Um, at least ways to push forward to get you to second and five. Um, So even if you have an incompletion on a play action on second down, it's uh, third and manageable. I think that that's really important for them in the way that Cousins has to play.
1: Yeah, and I think efficiency is the word I want to look at, like efficiency in the run game. Like I think, again, like you said, the home runs are sweet. The home runs are great, but those come from being efficient four-plus yardage runs. That was Tony Sperano's big thing. Coach Sperano's was just – he had an efficiency chart. When we came up in on on Mondays, he'd say, okay, we were – 70% 70% efficient in the run game. We were 10% or 50% efficient in the pass game, whatever, for the O-line play. And so I think if you can stay in that 60 to 70% efficiency rate of 4-plus yards per carry, then that's when you can really open up the big runs. And so I think that's what you're going to start seeing is there was this huge growth curve, right, huge at the top. It's going to level out and get back down to 4-5 or five yards a carry. And when you can hit that consistently – that's, again, ahead of the sticks. I just don't think this offense, Kirk Cousins, whoever it might be, can play behind the sticks. There might be a lot of Nebraska's offense right now. When they're in a rhythm and when they're rolling, they're fine. But the second they step on their own toes, it's game over.
0: Wanna remind you to go to Sodastick.com to get your original Minnesota Sports Inspired Goods. For all of you hunters out there, Soda Stick has some very cool hunting gear available that you need to check out, including their Mick Golden Light hunting club hats that our pal Jeremiah Searles has been wearing lately on his excursions. All their apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. We're gonna also hook you up with free shipping on your next order. Use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That is SOTASTICK, dot com. Original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. Sorry, you asked for Nebraska to come back and play football. Shut and up. You got what you deserved. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'll fight so, you. <laughs> um, so let's talk about how um, the defense played in this game because, you know, There are a few things that are going for them. And number one is I think Shamar Stefan is playing very well. But also other dudes are starting to sort of step up and emerge. Armand Watts over the last two weeks has played really well. This is the Armand Watts that we expected to show up at some point and start making a difference. And Jeff Gladney bounced back really well. I, I think that this is a big difference maker for them Because Jeff Gladney got absolutely embarrassed by Devontae Adams. It happens. It's the NFL. These guys are great at football. And to come back and make key stops, great tackles, uh, right on the first drive, he um, reads the play pretty quickly, comes off his man, and makes the tackle on Danny Amendola. And right off the bat, it's Zimmer's dream. Get a three and out right away. Start playing that field position. Give your offense a great starting spot. And they go down and score a touchdown. And that begins with Gladney. So to see him bounce back from a bad game to a good game, I thought was a really good sign for them.
1: I I agree. And I think his tackling in the run game specifically is something that was really good. I think everyone, again, we've talked about this on the show before, the impact that Trey Waynes had as Mm -hmm. as an edge tackler, I think, was very much taken for granted. He was a phenomenal, not just a good, a phenomenal tackler. Um, and you would never look at it by guessing by looking at him, right? He's a string bean. But he was very good. And so Gladney taking those in, putting a force, turning everything back inside, not letting them get the edge was huge. I mean, how many times have we seen Adrian Peterson in purple take it to the edge, make the corner miss, and go the distance? Mm-hmm. And I, that just wasn't a case today. And another guy, I mean, Eric Wilson is playing really good football right now too. He is, I mean, he is emerging. He is talking about a guy that had to. Big shoes to fill. You're filling Anthony Barr, all-pro, all-world times type guy, and he is stepping up to the plate. Big interceptions. He's making a lot of tackles. He's copying Eric Kendrick's game, which is a good thing. It almost sometimes you have to double-take, like, okay, if it wasn't for the hair, like, which linebacker (laughs) am I watching? Mm -hmm. Because they're getting off blocks. They're identifying things super quickly. He still at times overruns things a little bit and gives up the cutback, against just judging off of how I'm watching with which gap he has. But I'd rather see an overaggressive linebacker shooting his gun than a guy that's back on his heels getting blocked at three, four yards.
0: Uh, Kendrick's interception also, by the way, was
1: phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, uh, that was yeah. huge after the block. punt. they almost blocked the mm-hmm. first one. First, They, they lined up in that weird formation where they had five guys over on the left side and they almost got that one. I was like, Oh man, they might block this next one. And then sure enough, I think it was Mike Boone who missed the cut.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a bad feeling. That's like giving up a sack <laughs> when you like cut a guy and you turn around and you see him crush the quarterback. I'm sure that's, yeah, that's about what he was feeling there. Um, sometimes on this show, we have talked about the
0: 2017, blocked punt in which the uh replacement long snapper may have had a miscue on that in that uh, particular game if you recall.
1: <laughs> I do recall. I do recall.
0: Yeah. Um I remember Mike Prefer saying, I've never seen anyone get that wrong. It's uh it's like <laughs> we say left or right, I think. It's like yep. red is right and left is um, I don't blue. know, Lou or landscape blue. or something. Yeah. It's just like um just that was you know, bad. Shouldn't that big of a problem and the funniest part about that as a total aside is the new orleans saints on their website in the days after that um desperately looking for content did a film breakdown and and blame the wrong guy their film breakdown blamed emmanuel lemur and they were like oh he didn't make the block and it's like no no the center went, or the uh, snapper went the wrong way anyway it's just it's a I've obsessed over it cuz it's just so funny <laughs> that the Minneapolis Miracle is caused by a replacement long snapper.
1: 100%. <laughs> and Prefer was not a guy you wanted to get on his bad side. He was terrifying. Like not just scary, terrifying. If you got like if something bad happened on special teams, everyone would like go to Prefer and like try and like hold him back from just ripping someone's face off. He was that kind of scary.
0: Yeah, he's a he was an intense guy. So um, anyway, let's plowing uh, ahead. Let's talk about sustainable things. That's what I want. To okay. Know. Because again, I like it. there's a there's a lot to look at in this Lions game and be like, this was good, this was good, this was good, this was good um, across the board. There's very few things other than the blocked punt to really criticize. I mean, when the head coach comes in after the game and says, well, I wish we were a little better on special teams, that's his only negative. Uh, you've probably done a pretty good job that day. So the running game, we agree, you're not going to average nine yards a carry. But the offensive line and the way that Ezra Cleveland is playing, there seems to be a trickle left effect where Garrett Bradbury looks better, Dakota Dozier looks better, and the tackles are playing, I mean, top half of the league football, if not a lot better than that with O'Neal and the way Riley Reef uh, has been playing as well. How sustainable is this very strong offensive line play from the last two weeks?
1: I think it's very because I don't think they've hit their like full stride yet. I think the confidence level for this group is rising every single week. Now they're gonna have it. They're gonna have plenty of tests coming up. I mean, it's not like they have any slappies coming up here in front of them. But that's how you play offensive line is with confidence. And you you are already beat if you walk out on the field going, I don't know if I can block this guy, (laughs) which has happened to me before. I mean, there's times you walk out and you're like, oh, that's. That's Von Miller. This could be tough. But, I mean, these guys look like, hey, we're going to run the football. And a confident guy, a confident group running the football is the biggest thing because this offensive line is not built to throw the football 40 times. And I think a lot of that has to do with just not falling behind. And so a sustainable I think for me, I think, is the fact of these sticking with the run game so that you can stay ahead of the chains and ahead of the score, because again, this defense isn't the defense of 2017. It's not the defense of 2016. Like they're not, we're not going to win ball games 10 to 17 anymore. Um, and so, staying with the score and ball control is the biggest sustainable. And then the other piece too is just sustaining growth on the defensive line seeing guys like Hercules get in there and get a sack, seeing guys like Afadi playing better, Holmes playing better, like guys playing better is a huge piece. And it sucks that it took eight weeks to really get us there because we might have done too little too late, even at the halfway point. I mean, who knows anything can happen, but it's good to see these marked improvements. And again, I think that goes back to Mike Zimmer being a great coach. So I think the coaching and the coaching staff is the thing that's sustainable and going to push us through to the end of the season. Who knows where we may uh, end up but the growth factor is sustainable for sure cuz we're nowhere near where we could be.
0: Is that a good coach or is that a great coach?
1: That's a that's a great coach. A
0: great coach. <laughs> <laughs> great coach back. Uh. I, there are, there are many inside the locker room, Everson Griffin stories, but one of him, um, you know, B Rob used to do his 96 questions yeah. or whatever, yeah, which yeah, uh, was, yeah, <laughs> sometimes problematic for reporters because players would run out of the locker room not wanting to be a part of it. Yes. But, this is true. um, he asked players to do an impression of someone, and Everson doing an impression of another reporter was uh, kind of a, an all timer. And I'm sure you can guess the reporter that he was doing an impression uh, of. So anyway, the just uh, he's he's a character, and I thought that the whole thing was kind of fun and funny. Um, but I agree with you that Mike Zimmer. Is showing you the coaching chops here, yep. and he said something the other day that was interesting. Where he said we're giving up 400 yards a game, and we are coaching as hard as we have ever coached. And I thought there were a few instances that just really showed it. Um, there was a pressure where um, they send three guys from one side, and the Lions are kind of confused, and then Stafford makes a great throw to to get a completion. But when you see Stafford looking around, looking around, there's nowhere to throw and they're, they're giving a lot of help to the cornerbacks now with two deep safeties a lot and, and just showing, I think, like you said, improvement. That's where you point to it and go, I understand some of the criticisms about Mike Zimmer, but I also think this was an expected result from what he's proved that this team would get better and they would find ways to win like this.
1: Yeah, I mean, you knew he wasn't, he's not the kind of guy that's going to roll over and die. And I think he's also one of those guys that, for a long time, he said, "This is my defense. This is how we run it, and this is how it works." And I think this year, especially, he's adapting to his players. Mm-hmm. He's saying, "Okay, my defensive scheme is very good when I have all of my pieces put together, but I don't have all my pieces. Right? I can't be playing chess with checker pieces." And I think <laughs> right. he's, I think he kind of realized that. And so you're starting to see him do things that he doesn't normally do as much. Mm-hmm. He's never run this many line games before. Yeah. I've never seen a Mike Zimmer defense run line games on first and second down. Now, third down, yeah, they used to put that NASCAR package in there with Daniel and Everson yeah. and Tom Johnson and twist all over the place. But in the run game on first and second down, you have seen a lot more slants. You're seeing guys moving. You're seeing guys get put in good positions. Like one thing I love is when they run their sub runs at times, they put the four down front and they go into 11 personnel and they bump the backside, weak side defensive end down and cover up the tackle so that the guard doesn't, or the tackle doesn't have a free run to the linebacker, and then Kendrick's just ever so slightly just steps outside there, and they just gap exchange, and then Kendrick's able to come around and make the tackle if they hand it off for one or two yards, and that's just good coaching. That's understanding like, hey, my guys up front are getting double teamed and pushed into the linebackers. Let's just exchange gaps. Let's just cut these guys off, and so that was something I thought was a good wrinkle that they threw in this week that they struggled with, and I mean, Kendrick had another 100 Tackles against. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's right. really good to see. And then again, you've got two safeties back there that are really you're just clean up guys. Like make them right, right? We used to call them make them right guys. Like if something's wrong, hey, you just make them right. And they seem to be not letting stuff over their head, mm-hmm. which is really yep. good to see. Is yep. I think that that's something that if you're a defensive guy like Zimmer, like okay, we're going to be a bend but don't break defense this year instead of a sellout for negative plays. We're going to say, okay, you might get one, two, three, four first downs, and but you're going to kick a field goal. You're not going to score a touchdown on a 20-yard, 40-yard bomb, which I think, again, is an adjustment for Mike Zimmer. So the, his coaching has been unbelievable. It's not surprising, but it's just little subtleties that I've seen in his defensive schemes that have changed just over the last three weeks as to why I think there's more success on the defensive side of the football.
0: That's a great observation and the reason you're on the show, uh, for football, yeah, football. Um, but let me add to that with the Ben don't break and, and sort of how he's using the safeties. There's one particular play where the, um, Lions are running a go route down the sideline and the Vikings play like a cover two um, and it's a zone. So Gladney is supposed to kind of let him go and pass him off and then play the underneath routes. And this is a throw that Matt Stafford can absolutely make the honey hole throw or whatever. There's a bunch of different names for it, but he sees Harrison Smith and he's like, nah, Nope, I'm not doing that. And it, and it just, When you have Harrison playing over the top of people, you eliminate that half of the field. You eliminate any deep balls going his way because quarterbacks know – I remember kind of when I first moved here looking at the tape and saying, like, it's amazing how terrified quarterbacks are of where Harrison Smith is. So he ends up checking it down to Adrian, and they get like three yards or something, as opposed to against anybody else, they make that throw. So Zimmer knowing how to use his chess pieces, uh, the ones that are chess pieces, has been um, very impressive. So here's what I want you to do. Because the, the obvious question now that we've talked about this, because I think that the defensive improvement is also sustainable, that they're getting better, and especially they're going to play a horrible offense in Chicago, which they'll continue, I think, to do the bend, don't break and try to force these underneath things. So I want you to pick the rest of the schedule. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. This oh is boy. The pressure is going to be on here. This is something that I usually have uh, ESPN's Courtney Cronin do, but I think this is time for you to jump in the waters right. here and right. pick the rest of the schedule. Even though sports took a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that means hiring is more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gets you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action with Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division championships and futures all day every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. They are going to Soldier Field. Has there ever been any issues there Soldier Field? A few. One one,
1: one, one or two issues. Is
0: there anything you can explain about that? Like, you have been there. Is it the size of the locker room? It's the smallest locker room in history.
1: It's super small. The field is usually super crappy. Like, it's usually, like, ankle-high grass, and... I don't know. It's just a tough place to play. Now, without any fans in it this year, meh, might just be another 100-yard field with crappy turf. But <laughs> it's still at the same time. It's just Vikings had notoriously – I mean, I can remember we shouldn't have won at least two of the games I was there. I mean, we ended up did win, but, I mean, one of them – oh, what was his name? He was long Hail Mary throw at the end of the game – he had blonde Mohawk. I can't remember. He caught like two balls all year, but that was one of them. He got a game ball for. But like that's one that bailed us out and then we kicked a field goal at the end in twenty seventeen to win it. But yeah, it's just a tough place to play. So I cannot give any insight to why. Mm. It's just hard. I mean you go
0: there in in twenty
1: sixteen It's cool. It's a cool and place to play.
0: Someone literally loses an eyeball. Yeah. I mean, Yikes!
1: Yeah, that was bad. That was a bad that was, one. That, that was bad. That was a bad day.
0: Uh, okay. So, are they going to win this game at Soldier Field?
1: Yes. Okay. I, mean, I think I think the the word of the day for the Chicago Bears is anemic. When you describe their mm-hmm. offense, it's just you. They can't even. They can't do anything. I mean, it's it's horrible. I wouldn't be. Is is what's his name hurt? Because Nick Foles, Big Nick Nick, is not looking ideal for them right now. Uh, Trubisky
0: is hurt. And, uh, yeah, Nick Foles is now 2-4 and four as their starter. So, um, But, you know, I mean, Trubisky has beaten the Vikings before, but I don't think that's an improvement even if he's in there. Uh, they did sign Kyle Sloter, so congratulations. Slaughterhouse. Yeah, there you go that guy. So uh anyway, so they're four, so that makes the Vikings 4 and 5. They play yes. the the Cowboys. Let's assume that Andy Dalton has returned for this one. Um that is November 22nd. Is that a win or a loss?
1: That's still a win. I think the, I think I think they can beat them too.
0: So they're 5-5. Five and 5-5. Five. Five and five. Teddy returns with the scrappy Panthers, the very scrappy Panthers, who came within two points and a 67-yard field goal that had the distance of beating the Kansas City Chiefs. How does that one work out? Uh,
1: depends if Christian McCaffrey plays or not. I mean, I think that was a huge reason why the Panthers were so good this week is because C-Mac was back, right? The, mm-hmm. One of the best, if not the best, running back in the NFL. So I say no. I say, I say the Panthers beat... The Vikings. Teddy comes back with a vengeance, not for <laughs> any more reason than not. He's not mad at the Vikings. He's just going to want to have a good game. I think Panthers beat the Vikings.
0: I think he was a little mad. At
1: he one was a things. little upset.
0: I remember about a tolling of a contract being somewhat <laughs> of a problem there. Um, so that makes them five and six Jaguars come to town. Mm, that,
1: Jaguars? Uh, I mean. Jaguars? I, I mean, Garter Minshew... I think, I think they can be, beat. I think be they back. Can, He should be back. I think they can beat the Jaguars. Yeah, I think so. I think too. they can beat the Jaguars.
0: So they go to at that point six and six, going down the final stretch of the season. That's pretty good, considering you were one and five. Absolutely. But now you got to go to Tampa Bay. Now I realize that Tom Brady just had things pretty tough, but um, at Tampa Bay,
1: loss. I, I I think Tom Brady's about about to just. Unleash TB12 on all these people <laughs> down there, and just go full, full hammer mode, and just start winning games like crazy.
0: Spray people with TB12 water. Yep, or just TB12 yeah. juice. The <laughs> uh, uh, Vikings at home against the Bears. Do they sweep the Bears?
1: They should sweep the Bears. They should sweep unless somehow they find some magic fairy, fairy dust that like <laughs> opens their offense up. It's it doesn't matter how good that defense is.
0: Seven and seven to play the Saints in New Orleans, the scene of the crime uh, of last year's playoff win.
1: Big L. Big yeah, L.
0: Yeah, I think so too. That's a good oh,
1: team. The Saints are Saints are scary good.
0: Sanders and Thomas being in—that's you're not. And
1: Cam- I mean, San- Sanders, Thomas and Kamara, I mean, that three-headed monster is pretty scary.
0: So you're seven and eight going to Detroit. Um, I'm gonna add the stipulation that Matt Patricia has been fired. Oh, you so think that, he's gone? By that's a the uh, yes. That is my stipulation here that Matt Patricia has been fired. They have an interim coach. Does that change how you think about it?
1: You know, I think it's terrible, and people are probably gonna be super pissed off at me for saying this. I think the Lions beat the Vikings at the last game of the year just because that's just what because. the Lions do mm-hmm. at Ford Field. That's just they always find a way and. Somehow it was always Jones Jr., like the freaking uh, – he would always just run up and down the field on us there for whatever reason. So I think, like, again, someone's going to have a crazy game. That's going to be like a swift 200-yard rushing game or something crazy. But I think the Lions beat the Vikings at the end of the year.
0: A 7-9 and nine season is how you have it playing out. I do. 7-9. So, I do not disagree and the way that I've looked at it is I don't know when the bad loss is, but there's gonna be one. The yeah. one of these games, yeah. Dallas, Jacksonville, or Detroit, where we've all just said Ws, one of them is a loss because that's football. I mean the Dallas almost beat Pittsburgh, like that's the, the NFL. The Jets almost
1: beat the Patriots last right. night. Right. Should have should have beat. I mean should have. Well, 12, twelve people on a field goal blocks is the most unexcusable thing of all time. <laughs> Uh, All right, before we wrap up, let's do
0: it. Love to see it, hate to see it. Um, I'm just going to give you mine real quick. Love to see it is actually from last night's game. Love to see... Cam Newton looked good. I like Cam Newton a lot. I know you played with him. You like him a lot. And I think it's a little unfair to put their struggles on Cam Newton and say, oh, well, he couldn't get the Patriots. But I think for the most part this year, he's played really hard. And him just like shredding tackles and making throws, game-winning throw at the end. Good for you, Cam Newton. And the Bears still wrong for not getting Cam Newton. Their team is way better than the Patriots. He's thrown to guys I've never heard of before. So love to see it um Cam Newton what do you got for love to see it love love to see it we're going to go we're
1: going to go into the college world for love to see it okay. love to see it love to see Clemson get beat <laughs> now game, hate yeah. to see it by Notre Dame but you love to see a number 1 team get beat shake things up a little bit again it sucks Trevor Lawrence wasn't there but a phenomenal game love to see some shake up at the top I hope we get to see a rematch between those two teams with a healthy Trevor Lawrence, but you love to see a great college football game on Saturday night because we haven't had one yet this year.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was, um, aside from all the reviews that made it a nine-hour contest, that was was what we hoped for with college football, and hate to see it. I'm just going to go with the Chargers. My gosh, finish a game, Chargers. You hate to see it. They just can never finish a game. Justin Herbert looks really fun, and you want their fan base to be excited, whatever fans are left. Hate to see it. Hate to see an exciting quarterback getting screwed by his team.
1: For me, it's you hate to see Christian McCaffrey get hurt again. Yeah. Um. It was so cool to see him back out there, what the energy he brought back to his team. I mean, again, they – took down the reigning world champs down to the wire. And a lot of that was because of him. And you saw him wincing there at the end. So I hope his shoulder's not super messed up. I hope he doesn't have to miss a ton of time. But I hate to see, again, our superstars out of this league, especially Christian, a guy I know personally, his brother plays here at Nebraska, and just hate to see him go down again.
0: Uh, Jeremiah, this was great as always, and the silky smooth tones of the new microphone—much mm. appreciated. Yeah, the audio quality is fantastic. So you uh, think the uh,
1: Husker Sports Network. For that
0: <laughs> one. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, so I guess congratulations on that. Having better audio now. I don't know. I don't know uh, where yeah, I was yeah. going with that. But uh, <laughs> we will we will do it again. You know what? It's fun to break down a game and not have to talk about like, why did they trade this guy? Yes, like, fun.
1: It was positive. This was like our first really I know. positive show. How about that? Good things, rocking and rolling. Let's let's keep this being sustainable. How about that? Really depends on what they do in
0: Chicago. So mm. uh, we will talk to you next Tuesday on Tuesday morning. Left guard, man. Thanks for your time.
1: Absolutely. See you guys next week.